the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our two six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty is uh, our number if you want to weigh in. I want to get into something uh, that it, I don't know. It shouldn't be touchy. It might be a little bit um, about this issue of where prospective Republican presidential candidates stand on the Russia invasion of Ukraine and United States role in it and on it. Um, Tucker Carlson uh, issued to all of the prospective and announced Republican candidates for president a series of questions. Many of you know this story well by now as to what we should be doing in uh, the fight between Russia and Ukraine. And most of the news over the past couple of days have been around and cir- circling around Ron DeSantis's response. Uh, you get headlines like DeSantis backing away from Ukraine angers GOP hawks. Uh, let's see, what was my favorite? Uh, DeSantis backs away from Ukraine angering neocons. You hear this word neocon being thrown around a lot, probably worth talking about what that means, too. I believe that's perhaps one of the most misused terms in our political uh, vocabulary or vernacular these days. I'm not even sure how it would reveal itself in a Trump candidacy or, for that matter, a fair look at, at, at Donald Trump's presidency. Um, Donald Trump likes to denounce the neocons. A lot of people do. And uh, but it's not it's not a denunciation where the where the where the where the rhetoric kind of matches the behavior. Mostly neoconservatism, neocon, which is short for neoconservatism, has come to stand for a hawkish foreign policy that includes sometimes, depending on who you're talking to, elements of regime change, regime change, or elements of uh, our 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 efforts to impose our systems of government or values on a country that is unalterably opposed to them. It comes to stand for what we tried to do in Iraq in many cases. Um, but I don't know that beyond the experience in Iraq, it has much meaning anymore. I really don't. It has been in the polarized world of politics we live in. If neoconservatism or neocon foreign policy is at one extreme of, 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 of the spectrum, isolationism would be on the other extreme. And real politique might be somewhere driving down the middle. 
Trump and a lot of the modern conservative movement likes to denounce neoconservatism or neocon foreign policy. If by that they mean a repeat of Iraq, I fully understand it. Iraq was a failed war. If they mean anything short of a foreign policy that only responds to attacks on the United States under some notion of an American first viewpoint, it doesn't quite work out that way. If it means not interfering in the foreign relations of other continents, it doesn't quite work out that way. It would be surprising, I would think, let me give you a for instance or a few for instances. It would be surprising, I think, for you to find a president that would bomb Syria, that would um, actively take a side in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict so much so and so much breaking of norms as to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Israel. It would be weird. It would be odd. It would be odd to find that same president arming for the first time Ukrainians to be denunciatory of neocon foreign policy, interventionist or activist foreign policy. And yet we had that president. We had that president, Donald Trump. He did all of that. Those are things you would consider, you would think a neocon would do. I am pretty sure Tucker Carlson, for example, as the representation of the other extreme of neoconservatism, was opposed to each and every one of those things. So it is odd and probably not too helpful for these labels to continue to abide when you have someone who denounces neocon foreign policy but engages in all the emblems and practices of what that would look like short of engaging in regime change. The other interesting aspect to this is that Ron DeSantis's answers to Tucker are a little bit more to the isolationist extreme I'm not saying isolationist, and I'm not saying extreme. I'm saying a little bit more to that end of the spectrum than Donald Trump's answers, if you read them, and if you read them literally, which I think is the only way to read them on these very tough and sensitive questions of war and peace and foreign policy and international relations in an active and ongoing war. So if you are to try and come up with the ideal or the perfect representation of Donald Trump's supporter, a Donald Trump supporter, particularly on issues of foreign policy, you would think it would be based on an American first foreign policy that would want none of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine as it is going on now. You would want us, you would think, based on what most of his supporters say, you would you would think Donald Trump would stand for none of the support that we're giving to Ukraine. It's not what Donald Trump said. It is closer to what Ron DeSantis said. And those, funny enough, who support Trump in the main right now are very opposed to DeSantis. And yet DeSantis is representing the theoretical Trump foreign policy more so than Donald Trump is when you read their answers. Donald Trump did not say, as Ron DeSantis did, that this had nothing to do with our national interests. What Donald Trump said 
is Europe should be paying more than we are or equal, more or equal. Donald Trump was much more tilted toward the non-isolationist position than Ron DeSantis. How does that work out for Donald Trump supporters who think American first foreign policy is not supportive of the operations going on in Ukraine right now? If you read Donald Trump literally in his answers, it's not that we should stop. It's that Europe should step up and add. If you read DeSantis, it's that we should stop. Kind of interesting, no? And 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 kind of kind of more than interesting, kind of confusing, because as I've listened to other talk radio shows, um, I have found that the divide between Trump and DeSantis supporters is pretty strong, in some cases, even a little bit bitter. Uh, But right now, as appears on this question, Ron DeSantis is representing what people think of Donald Trump is representing, but Donald Trump is representing something much, much, much closer to what is taking place right now. The one thing that is eminently true, I think, especially if history teaches us anything, and I think it has to, the one thing that is eminently true and that the future cannot reveal its alternatives on this any more than the past can is that Donald Trump did keep Russia in check by arming Ukraine and presenting a leadership in his presidency that did not allow Putin to play us or our allies for fools. That was eminently true, and he has, Donald Trump has the bragging rights on this. As much as the Democrats have less than zero credibility in talking about how pro-Russia Donald Trump was. Since the end of the Cold War, he might have been the most anti-Russia or anti-Putin president of the United States. To the left, everything is upside down and the inverse of what it actually is. For we on the right in conservative world, I'm going to have Charles Kessler on a little later talk a little bit about this. Our house divided, we need to get it in shape. If our politics is as divided as people say between right and left, we on the right, we better start healing these wounds in our own house as well. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. In his State of the Union speech last month, Joe Biden doubled down on his spending plans, and as he did again with the release of his budget, adding even more to the federal deficit. And that does not bode well for the value of your money. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth Less, which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold with the only precious metals dealer that Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already know, the Midas Gold Group. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the destruction of inflation and the ruin of a recession. Don't let Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group, MidasGoldGroup.com, or better yet, call them at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Well, there shines a good deed on a cloudy day. Doug in Maricopa. Hi, Doug. 
Hi, Seth. Hey, you know, I I want to say that uh, you said it well that we have to get our house uh, together so that we're not divided. Um, but I also wanted to talk about uh, Ukraine a little bit too. Yeah, let's do. Take it all on. Oh, take it all on. Yeah, take it all well, on. Let, By the way, it, do you like that line? So shines a good deed in a cloudy world. I think it's a weary yeah. world in the original. The original well, is not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, by the way. It's Merchant of Venice by Shakespeare. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I really do. You know, what, what? one of the things I think we have to realize, because, you know, I call up and uh, I am trying to motivate um, the religious right and the um, conservative right to be very action-orientated and not be apathetic and realize that, you know, but with that, I would also like to say, if you don't think, if, if we don't think that we should fight tooth and nail and crawl over glass to work and fight for a moderate if they win the nomination, I think we do ourselves great disservice. Because one of the things I've heard said lately, and I think it's very important we realize this, let, let's just do a quick historical analysis. If you're on the field of battle, let's say during the Civil War, it's gonna what you're really fighting for is what general you're gonna have. Right. But if you're right, gonna say right. if you're gonna say, Well, I'm not fighting against slavery because I didn't get my general. Yeah. Well, talk about moronic thinking. Right. But we do that all the time. Right. You know, and I would like to but say that is to such everybody, an important point. I, I just want that to sink in yeah. a moment. That is such an important. Well, the hell with fighting against slavery. I didn't get the general I wanted. Right. Yeah. Good exactly. For you. Good yeah. for you, Doug. Yeah. Let's not give up on the cause. And in there, I've heard. I've heard. This we we call this personalities I, over principles over here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, with Reagan, you know, some someone is uh, if one of my cons, uh, Republicans. Uh, disagrees with me 30% of the time. He agrees with me 70% of the you time. Gotcha. Now, one of the things I've heard said lately, and I think it's really important to get into our little noggins, is that we are up, um, the, the, the more moderate wing and the conservative MAGA wing, which I happen to be probably a part of. We You're are saying that opponent. there are two wings, Doug? You're saying that there's a moderate wing and then a more conservative MAGA wing, so to speak? Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Just want okay. to make sure I understood but the terms. We're, we're, we, are, we are opponents. We should not be enemies. Right. Right. And, and, and to do that, let's talk about the issues and let the dust settle. But in the end, we are on the north or the south. We are fighting for principles, and I will crawl over glass to vote for a moderate if they win the nomination. Yeah, well, and you're going to get 70% of what you want rather than zero or 100% of what you don't want. It seems so simple to me. Here's what I think gets a little cloudy and worthy of probably of, I don't know, 10 hours worth of shows, Doug, is this notion of moderate Republican. Find me the president, the Republican president that represented a moderate Republican's point of view. And tell me if that is Ronald Reagan or if it's George Herbert Walker Bush or if it's George W. Bush. It's, I think, probably not considered to be Donald Trump. But then do me this favor. And it may it used to not be Ronald Reagan. It may be now. But but just by the way the dialogue has moved, 
But find me a position or a real general way of thinking about any of those presidencies that, aside from the rhetoric or the personality, find me the position that Donald Trump staked out or acted upon that was immoderate compared to any of those moderate examples. Find it for me. Was it yeah. that – what is a moderate republic? Is it someone who likes the pro-choice position? Okay, that may be. That's typically what people mean or used to mean when they said they were yeah. a moderate republican. Well, which president was that? Right. Which president right. was that, that other than Gerald point. Ford, who served for about a yeah. year and a half mm-hmm. and was never elected to anything? Yeah, yep. that's such a good point. You know, let, I've been kind of. And if it's something else, and, what is it? I mean, I'd really like to know. I mean, is it okay? I, I have I have an idea on this because I think you were nailing what's been mulling around in my little noggin here lately. I think the difference between what we think of as the establishment, there's some points, but I, I think a good chunk of it for us that support Trump is that. Many Republicans talk a good game while they're running, but they don't fight tooth and nail for it when they're elected. Okay, It's the action, the difference in the Republican Party and the reason so many of my, my uh, fellow Republicans are supporting him is he's the first one that walked the walk. He fought for it tooth and nail, onslaughted like we cannot believe. And that's really the difference, because many of them uh, sound really close. But the difference, and, I, and I, I've asked this question before, what's the difference between a liberal and a Republican who won't uh, fight hard against them and just talks nice? Nothing. Because in the end, the leftist agenda advances. And so it's really who's going to fight that bloodbath. And, one, and I go back to the Civil War. You know, it wasn't until you got Grant in there to fight against the tremendous military advantage that the South had in terms of generals. But he was a plotter in the sense that he, once he got on the field, it was a bloodbath, yeah. but he would not relent. Unconditional surrender. Not relent. Right? Unconditional yes. surrender, Grant. Yeah. So everybody was going to fight for the South, but no one was serious about fighting for it. And so this is the this is the Trump thing is like he'll go toe to toe, and I think he's learned about a lot about his appointments. But I think that's the big difference. We're sick of the people that sound conservative and then more worried about how well we get along and sweet and because we want to get along. Let me let me take a quick commercial no, break, Doug. Doug, let me take a quick yeah. commercial break. This is an important point. I want you to stick with me if you can. I appreciate it. Anyone else welcome to join as well? Six zero two five zero eight. Zero nine six zero. What's uh, what's your pin today, David? Running for Congress, a moderate Republican. Yeah, a guy who left the Republican Party. Interesting. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. or talking to our good friend Doug in Maricopa about a few things having to do with moderate 
uh, Republicans versus people who don't think they need to use the qualifier in front of their party identification. Doug, (laughs) if I understand some of the distinction you're driving at or getting at, uh, and correct me if I if I miss it, it it seems to have to do with the temperament of fight. They said of Andrew Jackson, he had shoot in his eye. You know, he had shoot yep. in his eye. Yep. It was a, a certain level of resolve, which isn't just about personality. It's somewhat about personality. It's somewhat about temperament, and it's somewhat somewhat about how you're willing to go about things. Which presents kind of an interesting question, I. think think. Um, and it's this. If if you're looking at the presidential race uh, for 2024, it's pretty much at this point agreed upon it's going to be a Trump-DeSantis primary fight, probably. I mean, anything could happen. But do you agree with that, Trump versus... That's probably where it's going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that's the smart money. I have, mm-hmm. for what it's worth, uh, just to repeat, I, I, I prefer DeSantis. But uh, by the way, I don't know that I'd bet on him uh, at this point. I, I, Trump might be the smarter bet um, for, the, for, for the victory in the primary. But that, that aside, where does the moderate go? I mean, is DeSantis really the moderate, the man who went after Disney, the man who went after transgender, the man who got the ire of the view for taking critical race theory out of the schools? The man who stood up against the tide on COVID. I, it's an interest. Yeah. The, the man, yeah. the man has shooting his eye too. Right. Is what I guess right. I'm trying to say. Oh no, I I'd say <laughs> I look at this as a win-win. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know some people are just uh, savage for Trump or savage for uh, DeSantis. I will choose a side. But if I, I, I've never been, I've rarely been in my life where I take a loss and say it's a total win. Right. You know, right. If, uh, there, we have to look at this as one of the greatest things. This is one of the benefits of Trump. And I think this is nothing to do with DeSantis because he was coming along and he was developing his own thing. But yeah. uh, Trump is putting a bit of more fight into the Republican Party and the establishment is going to have to get used to that. It is the fight factor um, that the, many of the average Republicans are wanting. We want a Sherman. We want a Grant. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We don't want a McClellan who parties well in Washington <laughs> but doesn't do a lick for the cause. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, 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 yeah. And and so, but the, I I really hope that all of in that I tend to be on the MAGA side only because I think he has battle scars and he's learned things in Washington that's unique to the office that he will overstep uh, some of the learning process. But in the end, we should look at this as friendly opponents. We are not enemies. Yeah, no, we are not. In fact, we should be more than friendly opponents. We should be friends. I'm just stuck on this point of the moderate Republican and the field. Um, yes. Because if you look at the horizon— I do worry about that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I do, too. I, I do, too. And 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 if yeah. they're going to have any rationality, these quote-unquote self-described or declared moderate Republicans, um, is—, is is Nikki Haley uh, really? Is she a moderate? I mean, she brags. I mean, I get the temperament problem is 
front and center, but this was someone who helped steer the foreign policy in the Donald Trump administration. This is someone who is ardently pro-life. Mm-hmm. This is yep. someone who yep. talks about the left destroying America from within. Um, you could say the same thing about, um, about I think, almost any of the candidates that have announced right now. The yep. only one that truly was maybe of that ilk was Larry Hogan, who dropped out. So I just, right. you know, right. I don't. I think the moderate Republicans are going to have to come up with some form of a unified field, a unified field theory that makes sense as to what their ideology really is. I think I, well, I, I think I, they I owe think us so. an explanation of their ideology is what I'm trying to say. Well, and you, you know, the, you, you phrase that well, because it leads me to another point. All right. Hold the thought. Hold the thought. This is the most important discussion. And my producers uh, telling me I got to I got to pay our bills once. <laughs> no free lunches. <laughs> as it turns out, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, where sometimes the callers are like guests. Doug is one of them. Doug is in Maricopa. Doug, we were talking about a bunch of things here having to do with uh, moderacy and immoderacy in the Republican Party, but also Ukraine. And you said there was another point you wanted to get across. Well, uh, going off of the last point we were talking about, that the the moderates really have to kind of get a list of things, you know, together. Yeah. I would, I would like to kind of run off of that in, in here's what I think is driving, uh, many of us, uh, loyal, traditional conservative, uh, types that just terribly frustrated is that they, every time a moderate wins the primary, we're all supposed to come together and, uh, vote together and be together and whenever a conservative wins, then they t- badmouth them. And, you know, they don't seem to show the same loyalty that they want us on the conservative side to show. And I think conservatives are much better at pulling together. Now, there's still a faction that just says, well, burn the Republican Party down because there's too many establishments, which, which is, again, um, uh, morally and ideologically suicidal. And it's nonsense. It's, it's like an, a sixth-grader temper tantrum. But that's a smaller section on the conservative side. We tend to pull together, uh, and I've worked for, you know, in being a bit of a foot soldier for many moderates. You know, I, do, I don't like McCain, and I tried. I gave money and time to primary him out. But when he won, I worked with Hell of him a lot better than Ann Kirkpatrick, him. right? Oh, but by a long shot, right? You know, and that does, and, and it's nonsense to say, you know, unless I get my guy, I'm going to take, I'm just going to go home because what you're saying is, if I don't win it the way I want, we're going to let the uh, the liberals win, and this is one something I think we got to really get in our heads here. If we don't come together and win um, and hold our own in these elections, if yeah, I don't, if, if the moderates or establishments. Say forget MAGA, or if MAGA says forget the moderates or the establishment, the Democrats will gain control, and we will cease winning election if they keep changing election laws to their favor because they are motivated, and they will do it. So they don't. They don't really have. They don't really have this problem in the Democratic Party. No, it's, it's, they no. really don't have it. In the early, well, really, this was, I started noticing this in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, 
when perceived moderates, which is probably not the right way to put it, the right way to put it would be the not conservative candidates, the not conservative candidates in the primaries won. Um, so, for example, if you look at the it's interesting. If you look at the 2000 race, we think of George W. Bush as a moderate now. In the 2000 yeah. primary, he was the conservative to McCain. But he was not the most right. conservative, or at least not the most outwardly conservative. People forget there was Steve Forbes, there was Alan right. Keyes, there was Gary Bauer, there was people like that. And, you know, what the consultancy and some of the candidate class who were not the conservatives would say is, well, I know they're upset with me. I know I'm not where they want me to be, but where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? And the answer was Mm -hmm. nowhere. Exactly right. The answer was they'll stay in their living room on November 2nd or November 4th or November 6th or whatever it was. The answer was some of them just wouldn't be motivated to vote unless you gave them cause to. And then that did kind of flip a bunch, didn't it, to more of what you're saying, which is we now find ourselves in a moment of the party where when the conservative wins, uh, the moderates uh, tend to stay home a little bit more so or tend to be a little bit even in favor of the Democrats sometimes. And it drives me mad. But it does indicate this notion of a moderate Republican maybe not taking the party as seriously as the party takes itself. Maybe that's why they stay home. Maybe that's why they don't go out and do what you do, because you're voting for an ideology. You're voting for a platform. You're voting for a party which has a steady thread that began in 18. 18- 56 and pretty much has run up through today with very little shading honest to god very little differences yeah. Yeah. uh over the, over the decades and over the years in in what that part go back to anyone who wants to claim themselves to be a moderate go back and look at the first republican party platform and you tell me it's not a pro-life platform you tell me when it called slavery and polygamy the twin relics of barbarism it wasn't a family values platform um yeah. You uh, you're you're just you're just not going to you're probably just not going to satisfy self-declared moderates who I don't think understand what the Republican Party is, not the sincere ones, Doug. I think they think the Republican Party means one person at one point in their career or one person at one point in their life. I think to them it means I don't know. Pick one. Milton Friedman. It's not. Milton Friedman is not the Republican Party. And while we may agree with his uh, philosophical views on free trade or monetary or or macroeconomic policy, not a Republican president since he has been born and died embraced all of that. Reagan got a lot of criticism uh, for deviating from the libertarian views on certain things, including tariffs and including uh, tax reform. Uh, Donald Trump, the same. But again, you know, Milton Friedman is not the Republican Party. And you could say that about, you know, any four year period someone wants to invoke of Barry Goldwater's life. He you know, what was the entire threat of Barry Goldwater's career in writings? Not what did he stand for for three years or four years in isolation to everything else he stood for. So I think sometimes it does drive back to this 
really, I hate to use the word, but I think distorted view of what the Republican Party is when people say yeah. moderate Republican. Yes, and and also what the what the purpose of the party is, you know, uh, because I think of it as an ideological war. So it it truly is. We either going to go. We're shifting rapidly towards um, you know past leftism into, you know, quasi-socialism or, as uh, Newt Gingrich said, bureaucratic socialism, or we're going to push back. But it's going to require an effort. So I look at the party as my team, my army. And I hate to keep pulling up this civil war, but I just love history as an example of how these things can be operated or, or resolved. Lincoln, and you look at the Republican Party, Lincoln was our president, but there was a lot of uh, people to his left and to his right, and he kept them together and pushed them forward. He didn't give up on the cause. I loved what, I gotta gotta go, but I I loved what Frederick Douglass said about him. He may not move as quickly as we want, but it's always forward and never backwards. There you go. That's it. Love you, Doug. Thank you, sir. You bet. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. A lot of you have heard me uh, talk about why refi for some time now, and uh, they want you to know if you still have uh, questions about what it could mean for you or look like to invest with them, they'd love for you to give them a call, 888-YREFI-34. They would like to talk to you or put you in touch with any number of their very satisfied clients and customers in the Phoenix area who have been investing with them and very successfully. They'd like me to ask you as well about your IRA. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates, not dependent on the Fed or the stock market? You can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Just thinking about that conversation with Doug and the self-described or self-declared moderate Republican who's whenever you put a qualifier in front of something, that is what you are doing. You are putting a qualifier in front of something. My truth is far different from the truth, for example. Social justice is far different from justice, for example. We could go on and on, but I think you take the point and, you know, When you think about what it is that the Republican Party generally stands for, which is the physical and moral defense, well, the physical defense of America, the moral defense of the idea of America, uh, not judging people uh, on immutable characteristics um, like their ethnicity or their skin color, uh, thinking that the Declaration of Independence actually meant something when it declared all our created equal, a sincere adherence to the point of our whole country as found in our Constitution, which is what makes guides and guards a country fealty to it. Uh, When you think about those things that the Republican Party stands for, all of which the Democratic Party opposes, each and every one of those things I just said, um. That shouldn't be seen as extreme. That shouldn't require a qualifier like moderate. 
that should be in fact on an equal plane or loving or or on an equal plane or level that should be the moderate position the republican party should be in its essence seen as itself standing for moderacy standing for moderacy our founding our founding was a new order of the ages our keeping our founding and the principles of it should no longer be considered a new order of the ages. It should be considered common sense, conventional, another word for which might be moderate. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. A lot more coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.